0: Football is just around the corner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back after an off-season to Miami Total Football Radio, where the beautiful game meets passion and analysis. This is an Inter-Miami-focused podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more on the team. We have been listened to in more than 50 countries and counting my name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual four co-hosts, and on this return episode, there's three of us. Also joining me are the beloved Steve El Primo Brenner and Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose. Guys, let's just get right into it because we've been gone for a good bit. We said we would have a World Cup podcast, and then that fell through just because our schedules couldn't align. We have a lot to catch up on, clearly, not only with regards to Inter-Miami, just the overall off-season, um, what we've been doing, what we've been up to, so we'll start with Steve El Primo. Steve, how are you doing? Welcome back. Ready for another year? And what have you been up to for the last few weeks?
1: Thank you, mate. Yeah, good, great to be back. I hope everyone's uh, been well. Well, we watched, were immersed in the, it uh, seems like ages ago now, but in the World Cup, which was obviously great. Uh, If you look away from the migrant deaths and uh, all the controversy away from Qatar, uh, the actual football on the pitch was really good. There were some amazing games. Uh, We all met up, watched the England game, which I still was gutted that we still didn't win that penalty that Harry Kane missed. Um, But yeah, it was nice just to, um, yeah, I really enjoyed the World Cup. I don't think my wife enjoyed it so much or my daughter who kept threatening to rip down my wall chart. Every five minutes. And then she actually did rip it down on the morning of the final. Um, but <laughs> I thought that um, it was a great tournament football-wise. And definitely the, the final, I don't know what you guys think, but I think that was one of the best games I think I've ever seen. It was just um, ridiculous drama. And, you know, the way that France could have won it right at the end uh, when Martinez made the save of his legs. Um, yeah, it's just it was just an amazing game. Amazing game. Good to see Lionel, Miami's favourite son. Uh, lift uh, lift, lift the trophy after all, all that. I think he, you know, it was deserved in the end, but it was an amazing, amazing match, amazing final.
0: The final was amazing. I don't know if it's too early in the year to have our first heated debate, so I will save it, but I don't know if the level of the f- overall football over the course of the tournament was that high, but we can talk about that later. Jose, how are you doing, my friend? How have the last few weeks been treating you? How did you ring in the new year and... Did you enjoy the overall experience of having the Miami Total Football radio gang, including Andrea Yanez, Ajisita, who's not here on this week's pod, but having the four of us at that pub in Hollywood and seeing Steve go through all the emotions from ecstasy to despair?
2: Yeah, I, 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 well, first off, um, <laughs> it's, it's good to be back, but yes, I did enjoy that a lot. Um, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I think, you know, um, at some point we were all rooting for England and Harry Kane didn't come through with the penalty, which, you know, was very unfortunate. Um, at the time, since I was rooting for Argentina to win the World Cup, I thought, man, this is great. England will win this game, and the path will be a lot easier for Argentina. So I have to admit I was rooting for England, but just because I wanted Messi to lift the trophy, in the end, it did work out for me. Unfortunately, not for Steve. But an offseason, <laughs> I think so far so good. I am ready to go in this pod because I think in- in- Inter Miami in 2023 – it's going to be something to talk about every single week, and I think we're just about ready to get this thing going, and it's going to be a good show.
0: Yeah, preseason's right around the corner. Physicals are set to happen on Friday, so January 6th, and then preseason training practice begins in earnest on January 9th, so next Monday. Jose, I don't know how you could say we were all rooting for England. I was not rooting for England at any point in that game. No, I wasn't. I was. No, I don't know. No, at the end, I was. I was. I was trying to get you know El Primo. El Primo was ramped up. You know, he was. He had had a few beers. He was happy. He was ecstatic. You know, I, I wasn't trying to rain on his parade. But I at no point was like, oh, I want to see England win this game. And actually, Steve and I, and he can. That's he can,
1: disgraceful. <laughs> Steve and I.
0: <laughs> Steve and I can talk about uh, about this later on in the pod, maybe at the end, in the, in the final moment. Steve and I had a very long, heated debate. We should have had a microphone and just recorded a podcast right then and there about if England's a little overrated or not, just gen- oh, generally, speaking, wow, generally speaking, generally speaking, but we'll save that for, for later on. Uh, look, it was an interesting offseason because like you guys said, while MLS was out of action, there was this very big uh, tournament played in the middle of the winter, which are, or the fall winter, which is not normally the case. So we had a world cup at a different time of year. So we stayed busy. We stayed busy watching football. We stayed busy uh, talking about football. So, Also had the holidays, of course, which just recently came to a close. I've actually run into some Miami Total Football Radio listeners over the course of this winter. Uh, One at Buffalo Wild Wings, another one out uh, at the Wharf in Fort Lauderdale. So just different listeners who um, have had plenty to say about the, the show, about the personalities. So, you know, it's been great to meet some of you just out and about in South Florida. Hope that continues as 2023 rolls along, but speaking of 2023, we have a good bit to talk about, a good bit to talk about, and one of the things, one of my New Year's resolutions, one of my Miami Total Football Radio resolutions is to make the podcast back to uh, one hour or so range, because we have been going pretty long there at the end of 22, even for more than half of 22, we were going an hour and 30, an hour and 40, and while I do... Uh, appreciate deep dives. I want to try to condense the podcast a little bit more and make it a little bit shorter so it's not such a time-consuming experience for the listeners. So we're going to try our best to get it to an hour. So i uh, will leave it at that. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot. We can, we're we going to do a quick recap of the off-season for Inter-Miami. We will break down what we know so far about the preseason and the roster. We are going to talk in pretty good detail About Steve Brenner's favorite player, Rodolfo Pizarro, and his situation with Inter-Miami heading into this preseason and heading into this campaign. So, got a lot to talk about. Blaze Matuidi retiring. We've got a lot. We'll sprinkle it all in there as well. And we're going to do it in less than an hour. So, guys, let's get to it. Alright, guys. So, Inter-Miami's offseason came and went, essentially, because... Preseason is about to start. So, quickly just run down some of the moves. Jake LaCava is in. Indiana Vasilev is out. Inter Miami signed another academy player in. Benjamin Cremashi, Argentine youth international. Local. Got a lot of promise. The team is pretty high on him. They also drafted two players in the 2023 MLS draft, which took place in 2022. But they were first round. Draft pick goalkeeper Cole Jensen and second round pick from UNC Wilmington midfielder Bashir Ndiaye. So, preseason starts in a few days. There's friendlies already lined up against Vasco da Gama at the latter half of January at Drive Pink Stadium. There's a friendly against FIU. There's also one against expansion MLS side St. Louis City. And also one against the New England Revolution. There are also three other friendlies planned. Two, well, six in total will be in South Florida. One of those against a TBD opponent will be played in Sarasota. But Inter-Miami staying local. They're staying in South Florida for the m- much of their preseason. And they're staying in Florida for all of it. So they're not heading anywhere. Anything really of note that you want to sink your teeth into out of all those talking points, fellas, we'll start this time with Jose.
2: Well, I just think it makes sense for Inter Miami to take advantage of, uh, you know, being based in South Florida. I mean, uh, there are so many teams that try to come down here or they go to Arizona, um, you know, teams in the West Coast. Um, I think if you have everything that you need down here, then why move around? And um, I think you always need like that small trip. You know, Um, I I can't remember exactly how long is it going to be, but I know it's at least like a mini camp in Sarasota. So I think that's needed just, you know, to build some of the chemistry um, w- within the, the new guys that will be coming in. So um, that's necessary at some point. They will do that. But for most of, of the time, they're going to be here in South Florida. And I think it's great. You know, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that match against Vascular. Ram. I think that's a nice tradition as well. They did it last year against Universitario, your favorite team in Peru. Um, so, um, <laughs>
0: what?
2: <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice tradition to play an international match to get things going. Um, yeah, I think I think everything looks good so far. Of course, you know the most important thing is you know to stay away from injuries, to manage the load of, of the players the right the right way, to build some chemistry. Those are the things that obviously the head coach and the entire coaching staff will be looking at. But from the outside, I think, you know, it's 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 just great to have everything so well set up here in South Florida that you're able to stay for the entire preseason here.
0: So you touched on some interesting points, and before I dive into one of them, I will share uh, an anecdote with the listeners uh, because you mentioned Universitario de Deportes, the Peruvian side that came and played last year for a friendly in January. By the way, can't be a tradition if it's only been two years okay like tradition would have to be you know established much further down the road i don't even call it a tradition after two years anyway uh so we were in the press box before that game in miami versus universitario de deportes and jorge mas walked in for a little bit said hello popped in smiled and then he jokingly said oh yeah we scheduled this for you franco and like laughed about it because obviously i'm of peruvian descent. My dad uh was a big big universitario de deportes fan so um you know nice little anecdote nice little exchange there with jorge mas in preseason when you know the pressure is low you know and things are just starting to ramp back up so that's the first part of that second part of that jose is i'll go back to you here how important or how insignificant is it that like you just mentioned They will only have one little road trip, essentially, where the team will be together in a hotel, bonding with the new players. I mean, a lot of the roster that's in place as of today is the same one that we saw a year ago. There haven't been a whole lot of changes. Clearly, they're sticking with the core group that they've uh, built and that foundation that they've established. But there are new faces coming in. You have to imagine there will be more on the way, which we'll dive into in a little bit. Steve has some some nuggets there. Is it important or is it insignificant that the team will spend a lot of time in South Florida where I have to imagine they're not going to be, i be staying in a hotel. They'll be going to and from training and then they'll all go home to their respective families or their respective homes, apartments, houses, wherever. And they won't be as together as some of these other teams that will be taking road trips to a different state. Um, and, and having that team bonding or that team building experience.
2: Well, because of the number of players that are coming back, I think you know some of the chemistry is there. Um, you obviously w- w- want to get the right mind in the group during preseason because you know it's it's a very important part of uh, you know of, of what your goals are for the rest of the year. If you don't have a good preseason, then it's going to be hard for you to achieve everything that you have said on on the board and so um i don't think it's completely necessary at this point for this team because the turnover is not as big so you know a small trip i think that's good obviously you know with the players being in south florida you give them an opportunity as well to be with their family you know it's a long season and and and, you know it's it's important for them to have family time even though you're just coming off of uh, vacation off season um, it, it's not about, you know, putting that much stress within the group of players. So we give them an opportunity to stay at home, small trip. I think that's perfect.
0: Steve, clearly, like we've all just said, continuity has been stressed, not change, especially when it comes to the roster. For you, given how the team did last year, they finished in sixth place, like you had predicted. They made the playoffs, got knocked out in the first round, pretty convincingly. They've lost one designated player in Gonzalo Higuaín, who is now officially retired. They... I won't say they let another one go, but another one is out of contract. And Alejandro Pozuelo, Rodolfo Pizarro, is back on Inter Miami's roster after his loan expired down in Mexico. So right now they have one DP slot filled, and we can dive into Pizarro in a little more detail later on. But the point is, there haven't been a whole lot of changes. What do you make of the roster as of today? Surely there have to be more reinforcements on the way.
1: Surely, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, you got to take the time into factor as well. You know, time of year right now. I mean, the World Cup has just only just finished, really. So there wasn't, you know. there hasn't been any movement in terms of, you know, player recruitment, stuff like that. We just had the new year. So I think, I think now you're going to see definitely in the next six weeks, you're going to see some action. Yeah. They're going to have to, to make some, make some calls. But I mean the, uh, the, you know, the thing with Pizarro is, is that, you know, I think they kind of knew that he was going to be coming back. I don't think they banked on automatically just having another spot taken. Yeah. I'm sure if Monterey or someone else wanted to take them off their hands, then I'm sure they would have absolutely been delighted,
2: but
1: they haven't. So, um, you know, that's that's it's it's frustrating for them. but I don't think they were planning for life, you know, necessarily w- without him because they feared he was going to come back anyway. So, um, um, yeah, they've got to make a move. They get, need to replace Higuaín. if That's going to be that's the that's the task, isn't it?
0: So should we just dive into Pizarro situation, Jose, or should we save it for a little bit later? What, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Should we just go no, right I... into
2: it? Let's go for it. Let's go okay. for it. Yeah.
0: All right. So let's explain this in a little more detail. So Pizarro was on loan, on a season long loan for all of 2022. That loan had an option to buy. Monterrey did not trigger that option to buy. So as a result, Pizarro, who is still under contract with Inter Miami, is back on the South Florida side's roster for 2023. Now, if you remember, At the end of the season press conference that Chris Henderson held, or at least the one he held before Phil Neville spoke, he said that there were talks ongoing, which Jose and I clearly interpreted as Inter-Miami does not want Pizarro, and they do not necessarily want to bring him back. Obviously, they loaned him out because he didn't produce at a DP level in 2021, under Phil Neville in Phil Neville's first season in charge, Jose, if he's back on the roster, how do you see it all playing out? One and two, how do you go about it if you're Phil Neville?
2: Right, it's a horrible situation. It's a horrible situation because I'm sure Pizarro is very well aware of uh, of, of that press conference that happened at the end of uh, last season. Um, I also think you know this. You know, there's there's some sort of pride in in this situation in the sense that uh, Rodolfo Pizarro is not going to give anything away. You know, he is under contract and he wants to get paid, I'm sure. Um, So, you know, it's it's a very difficult situation. You know, it it comes down to, okay, if if he doesn't, if if they're not able to find a team for him, if nobody wants to pick him up, then um, what is the coaching staff going to do? Is this going to be a Blaise Matuidi situation where he becomes an ambassador or he just, you know, doesn't play for the the year? Or or do you find a way to uh, get something out of him? You know, Pizarro is still a young player. I mean, um, I I completely understand that. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. I have to cut you off. How can you call him a young player? You gave me stick last year for saying Robbie Robinson was a young player. Pizarro is 28. There's no way you can call him a young player after what you said to me last year.
2: Maybe I, should have, maybe I should have rephrased that or, or said a different word, but what I mean is not, he's not Gonzalo Higuain or Blaise Maturi, right? In the sense that, you know, Blaise was comfortable with not playing and, and retiring after getting his money. Uh, Pizarro most likely is not comfortable with that. You know, he wants to play. He's in a situation uh, where, you know, he's, he's not playing at a high level. Um, the expectations around him... When he signed for Inter Miami, we we're completely different. Remember, we were, we were talking, um, okay, he's probably going to be here for a year before he goes to a big club. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. And um, you know, at this point, I'm sure Pizarro wants to get back to 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 a high level, and and for that he needs to play. So you know, um, I think for the coaching staff, it's it's about making that decision, getting that conversation through with the player. Um, if he's not able to go, but you know it's not, not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all because you know things have been said and um, and and everything is on record. I think the receipts are there for both sides, and um, uh, I, I just I just think it wouldn't be ideal for both sides if if, if we have another Blaise Matuidi situation. I think if Pizarro stays at Inter Miami, he needs to be a part of a plan.
0: So if they cannot transfer him on or they can't loan him out or find a way. To move him on, and he's still on the roster as a DP. Because Steve, you have some information there as to what Inter Miami is looking for price-wise for Pizarro and any deal that they're trying to to make. How much is Inter Miami looking for in a transfer for Pizarro?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean they, they value him at around sort of three three point five million, which is uh, I guess you're thinking if Is he could that go to...
0: expensive. Is that too expensive, Steve? I
1: mean. Not really. When you consider how much he how, to remind me how much he actually came for in the first place.
0: He came for a reported twelve. I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think he's a good
1: purchase for three, three and a half million for some for someone, but it's just. You know, does he, is he going to move? Yeah, it's a it's a gamble, and, and you look at this, his his stats, and they haven't been that great. You know, he didn't didn't he did okay in Mexico when he went back, but nothing nothing spectacular. Obviously, missed out on on you know making the World Cup squad. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not a very sellable asset, but this is the same conversation we had, you know, 18 months ago when he, when he was there. They just can't seem to get any any firm interest in him. They'd love to get him off the books, I think, but it's it's not possible. But now with Iguain not there, could it could be his time to flourish? You never know. That's That would be probably in the back of the coaching staff's mind. There's a player in there, but was he a bit sort of, you know, uh, was he a bit diluted with Iguain? there? It was too difficult. It was well documented that they, you know, found it difficult to play with each other. He's not there now, so um. but would you pin all your hopes on Pizarro to sort of help you do better than last season? It's, it's a bit doubtful, isn't it?
0: I am it, shaking it's- my head. Sorry, Jose. I'm shaking my head at what Steve just said, especially the beginning part where he just said, oh, yeah, there's you know there's got to be someone that will take him on for $3.5 million, because every other podcast that we have had discussions about Pizarro, you have been his biggest critic on here, his absolute no, but, biggest yeah, critic. And I'm, I'm not saying like- it's been unwarranted. I'm not saying it's been unwarranted, but – you have never been that full of praise for Pizarro. Now you're saying that he's worth three point five million. I cannot believe he's not worth three point five million. Talking about
1: like a, a team in like the English Championship, like below the Premier League, that looking to get promotion, would they take a chance with three million in the January transfer window to buy a former Mexican international playmate? I
0: mean, no, maybe no, no, absolutely not. No way, no way. Pizarro has has literally, like Jose said, declined. From when he arrived to South Florida to now. His career has gone from rising to slumping. He was on the up. The decision to go to Inter Miami in 2020 was criticized in Mexico. Pundits a lot of uh, uh, fans thought he should have gone to Europe or held out and stayed in Mexico. That move to the MLS, although it was probably very lucrative for him, it was a step back. Or, at best, a step laterally from a sporting aspect. And since then, his flame has fluttered and diminished. And he has not been the same player. He did not make the World Cup roster for Mexico. He's not wanted by Inter-Miami. Clearly, he's not wanted. But he very well may be here. You did bring up a very good point that Gonzalo Higuain is no longer on the team. And clearly... Anyone that saw the games in 2021 saw that Pizarro and Iguain just were having chemistry issues on the field, like taking up the same spaces, both trying to get on the ball. They just they just couldn't click. They couldn't click, which led to Pizarro obviously being uh, loaned out in 2022.
2: And there, there could be a concern as well within the coaching staff of something like that happening again, which, you know, it wouldn't be – ideal because it it seems like, you know, the locker room is is in very good shape at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. But also, you know, if you want to be positive about the whole situation, um, you know, Pizarro, he has something to prove, right, in in, in MLS. And um, I think there's talent there, but um, I think it's about the mindset for him. You know, if it's if it's ready to go, if if it gets an opportunity during preseason, and shows something different, shows shows uh, some signs, then you know Inter Miami um, might have, they might not have an option, but they have, just have to keep him keep him under the roster. And um, if you want to settle for three point five, and he gets off to a good start, then you might get a little bit more. Um, even within MLS, you will think, like, you know, te- other teams with, where, where the, the Mexican market is it's big, it, it is not here in South Florida. Uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, um, if you probably go if you go to Houston, if you go to Austin, if you go to L.A., um, a- and you go to a stadium, everybody knows who Rodolfo Pizarro is. If you go here to, you know, any other stadium, even Inter-Miami, uh, people might not know who, who he is. So he has a value as well within, you know, the marketing side of things. Um. So Jose, you know,
0: is it, it, is he worth three point five? Is he worth three point five million? No, not
2: right now. Not right now. Not right now. What is he not worth? Not right now.
0: In your opinion, and I know you're not a scout. I know you're not a general manager. But in your opinion, throw a number out there. What is he worth? Uh, I'll probably give you two. I would go. I would. I would go with that. Two million more or less.
2: Yeah. Two million more. Or I'll
0: less.
2: give you two. Yeah, I'll give you two. Just because it's it's a gamble, man. I mean, it's let's let's be serious here. It's it's a gamble. You don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what you're gonna get. And um and, and obviously you know Inter Miami wants to get rid of him, right? So you know, that's part of the of the negotiation. Oh absolutely, well. Jose. And you let's know? listen
0: so. to what Chris Henderson said to you last year at the end of season press conference when you asked him about role for Pizarro. We're in conversations with uh, uh Pizarro and his agent and Monterey, where he has been on loan and he has counted as a DP for us this this year. Um, so those conversations are ongoing. They're um, You know there could be a a knock-on effect on dp so we're 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 trying to take it step by step um and and uh then be able to make the next move after that we are we are looking and working the recruitment staff our scouts are looking at options um uh all over the world uh we you know we we get linked with big names we want to bring in characters and personalities that fit what we're building and will come in and fit the core players that we're continuing to go forward with. So the work is going on um, and research is going on and conversations are going on every day. If Inter Miami had wanted him back from the first place after his loan expired, they could have, let's say, theoretically, hypothetically, they could have said, all right, Gonzalo Higuain's retired, we can bring Pizarro back. But when Chris Henderson says we're in negotiations, then clearly they're open to getting rid of him permanently because it was just a loan deal. Again, there was a buy option. That was not triggered. So Inter-Miami could just outright keep Pizarro if they wanted to. If they're in negotiations, it's because they're open to not keeping him around. I think it's a very big, big, big dilemma for the team. I think it's something that has to be resolved at some point in this preseason because... Where do you, like? If you keep him on the roster, how do you build the rest of the roster? Like, What other type of DPs do you bring? Because let's, let's think about positionally, on the field, where do you play Pizarro? Are you going to play him as the 10, as the one that has to be the fulcrum of the attack, the one that's pulling the strings? Is, that, is he that type of player for you? Do you play him out on the wing, even though he's not a traditional winger, doesn't necessarily have the space, uh, excuse me, the speed or the pace? Where do you play him? And how do you bring in two other DPs to play with him or around him or however you go about it? It's a, I think it's a very big dilemma. I think it's something that absolutely Inter Miami needs to resolve sooner rather than later. What are their options? They could buy him out outright. They, they have, you know, uh, MLS teams have a one buyout um, option per season, so they could do that, but that would be taking a pretty big hit, which they don't seem like they want to do maybe ownership doesn't want to do they could try to find a suitor for him in mls but i don't agree with you Jose, that other teams in mls would take him because they'd have to pay uh, for a chunk of his salary and I, i just don't see teams in mls where there's a salary budget really being open to doing that for a player that yes from a marketing standpoint might put some butts in seats although again even now is does he have that much allure as as a borderline mexican international that didn't make the world cup team I, I don't, uh, I some, don't think there. so.
2: Some Mexican fan, fans are, are faithful. And, um, you know, uh, as much as they probably don't want him back in Monterrey, I'm sure there's people that might want him back in Chivas. And just because, you know, they, they believe in him and uh, that's a player that they like and uh, the Mexican connection. Hey, I said MLS. From- oh, yeah. I said MLS because you
0: said MLS. There might be another team marketing-wise, but you said MLS. So I, I was just... Yeah, I don't oh. know.
2: I think you know that that might there might be something to it. I mean, if you if you're if you're asking for three point five, then I'm thinking, okay, how can I get those three point five back? Okay, he's worth it probably too. When it comes to football terms, so where am I getting the other one point five? And that's that's what I'm thinking. That's the only way to go. I mean, I'm just trying to think of ways. <laughs> you know, you trying to,
0: you're
2: trying to get creative. You're trying to get creative. Yeah,
0: you're yeah. trying to get creative, but uh, 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 positionally. Because look, let, let's, let's try to p- paint a, a full picture. Because it's, it's true that when he did not play with Higuain, before Higuain arrived in 2020, Pizarro was the face of the franchise. He was the biggest star attraction. He was the player that was leading the attack. He scored some goals, got some assists was heavily involved and got a whole lot of touches. Once Higuain came, things completely changed, which we've already talked about in detail a little bit here and over the course of the last couple of years. If he stays on the roster, maybe he does play better. Maybe he buys into what Phil Neville is selling with this younger team, and maybe he proves more effective like he did early on in 2020, during that first half of that uh, COVID-impacted season, maybe. Regardless, I go back to you, Steve, and then I want to hear Jose as well. Positionally, where do you play, Raul Pizarro? Where do you think he is best suited? Yeah,
1: I mean, this is we're going. It's like we're in a time machine. has gone back sort of three years. <laughs> the I same, know you're loving
0: it. I know you're loving
1: it. Same conversations. I mean, he was quite good, wasn't he? And he played on the sort of the left. Left-hand side of like a front front three, but I don't know. I mean, it's a massive headache having him back. But the, you know, most importantly, you know, they obviously they're going to have to replace Iguain. He, you know, that those goals they are going to be have to be replaced. And so, I guess in the back of their mind, also they looked that you know, would this guy be able to play with Pizarro potentially? I mean, it's you know, it's, they, he's there, isn't he? And they they. they They were still paying his wages a bit when he was in Mexico. And, you know, that's that's, that's kind of stuck with him, really. So unless they can sort something out, they're going to have to sort of solve, solve the problems.
0: Jose, positionally, if Pizarro sticks around, where do you see him playing or where would you play him? Uh... In this team, with this roster, with this younger group that, you know, it, it's focus, at least last year, was on speed, down the wings, with Lassiter, with Yedlin. You know the makeup of the team. You know the makeup of the team. And things yeah, haven't changed all that much. So where would he fit in this team? Is he is he even a starter on this team? Is he come off the bench? Where do you see Pizarro fitting in with this team if Inter Miami cannot get rid of him? I, I would give him an opportunity
2: as a 10. I would give him an opportunity as a 10. I, I think that's the only way to go here because if you put him through the wings, I don't think he's fast enough for this league. Um, he's not. He's built as well. He's, he's going to run into, um, you know, big uh, uh, right backs and left backs, whether you put him on the right or on the left. So I think he's more, he's good with the ball. So I would give him an opportunity opportunity more like an Alejandro Pozuelos last year. I'm not saying that it would be successful, but I think that's the only way to go with him at this point, because if you put him next to um, Gregory or, or Mota, I think that's too big a gamble there because defensively you're going to be limited in the middle. He's not good defensively. He's an offensive player. Um, And, and that's what I would do. But, you know, I think that's a roadblock for players like Bryce Duke as well. Um, so uh, it's it's a very complicated situation. But to answer your question, I will give him an opportunity as a ten in preseason. If it looks good, then you know you go from there.
0: I agree with you that I think if he sticks around, that's where they'll give him a look, and where they should give him a look because, like Steve mentioned, and I agree fully. Although Steve said that he thinks Pissarro had some good games out there on the left. I, I don't really I agree with that overall, but uh, he's, he's, he's a 10. If he's going to cut it in any position in MLS, it's, it's as a 10. Because he doesn't have the speed to play on the wing. He's not the most vertical player. And Inter-Miami clearly wants their wingers to, to get forward um, and, and bomb forward and stretch the opposing back line by getting in behind Pizarro's more of a player that likes to get his touches in uh, I, I've been critical of him at times because it, it feels like he dribbles in, in, a, in a small square just amongst himself sometimes and doesn't doesn't keep the ball flowing and going um, so I think the 10 you, ha- you would probably have to try him there and see if that works out uh, because I, I just don't see anywhere else I agree, I don't think you can play him as an 8 don't think you can play him on the wing it's not necessarily a great crosser of the ball, so uh, yeah, t- ten would have to be it. Um, that obviously would impact whether you sign a ten if you're Inter Miami, but I-, I think that's yeah, that's that's the only spot that could potentially work out at all positively. So we'll see how it goes for Inter Miami. That's something Chris Henderson, I'm sure, is hard at work uh, about or at. So we'll see if. He sticks around for the long haul or if the Pizarro problem will linger over the course of 2023. It's early. We're in the first week of January, so plenty of time to see how that all plays out. Let's talk quickly about another player who, well, he was linked during the World Cup as having signed a deal to come to Inter-Miami. It was the latest in so many reports that we've seen like this over the last few years. We are, of course, talking about the World Cup winner and the player who I will now say, and I was never, ever his staunchest defender, but who I think is now officially the greatest of all time. We're talking about Leonel Messi. There were reports saying he was coming. Then there were reports saying he's not coming. Then there were reports saying he's likely to stick around with PSG for at least another year. Steve, what can you tell us? What do you know? about Lionel Messi to Miami is that pretty much done now? Is there no chance of that? Very little chance of that? Big chance of that? Where do things stand?
1: No, I mean there's, there's definitely there's still a chance it will happen. Will it happen? You know, he's going to sign another another it sounds like he's going to sign another year with Paris. I think he will Cup just move that any potential move now to MLS sort of out of out of the question really. I think, you know, his value you know stock rose w- w- with that and you know even people inside the club sort of even though they admit they wanted wanted him as it, as it the sort of world cup went on it looked like he was going to win it they kind of just felt that this probably wasn't going to happen right now even though they've made the moves and you know they know that he's interested he's got the place in miami and everything like that um it was maybe a season too too early uh, for it to happen mls bosses and don Garber, the commissioner, would, would have loved it. They would have loved it, you know, MLS is starting up a new T V deal, which I guess we'll get into at some point in the future, but you know, from next season, uh, so that would have been a huge, huge coup for them. Um, do I think it happened now? No. Do I think it will happen in the future? Yes, at some point, but um, you know, he, he Messi looks like he's still full of beans, like he's twenty five years old. So he's probably still got a few seasons left in him. So it will happen. I just I don't think it's gonna happen. Right now, which is a shame, and you know Ronaldo was another one that they were sort of offered, and you know Beckham had made some inquiries, but I think they dodged a bullet. He's gone to a, to, to a club in Saudi Arabia now. I just I thought that would have been a bad fit. It would have been there would have been too much drama and too much hysteria over it. And there, he'd be hysteria about Messi, but I think Ronaldo is just um, you know his star has fallen a little bit, and I just I don't think that would have been a good move. So I think they maybe dodged a bullet there, but uh, with Messi. Just wait and see, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't sign on at least for another season in Paris, especially what happened after what happened in Qatar.
0: If he signs on in Paris, I won't say it's all it's over, but I think the dream is on life support. Just because Messi will be turning thirty-six this summer, so if he signs for another year, you're not getting him if you're in until he's thirty-seven. And would you take him at thirty-seven? absolutely just because of who he is again for me he's officially as the kids say the goat the greatest of all time so would you take him at 37 yeah most likely but you're obviously getting him at a, at a more advanced age where physically he's going to be not what he was uh and of course then there's the motivation factor after winning a Copa America after winning a World Cup and then you're adding another year onto that seeing what he does with PSG you know what? What can you realistically get um, out of him at thirty-seven? Uh, you know, that, besides marketing, obviously the marketing side would be fantastic and all that, but on the field, you know, it, it you'd have to see uh, exactly what you'd get out of him. Jose, what are well, I your completely
2: thoughts? agree with Steve. I think you know the with him winning the World Cup, I think that takes him out of the conversation with, within the MLS landscape. I think you know the league is not big enough at this point to. To lure uh, just uh, a world champion of his caliber, uh, I think you know it's it's unfortunate because you know uh, at some point it, it did feel like you know it's it was getting closer and closer. But with him winning the World Cup, I think we all understood, okay, it's not going to happen. And um, you know, just a few days later, I think you know the the report came out with about him staying with with PSG for one more year. So, um. I don't know. I think you have to move away from that if you're if you're Inter Miami, um, you know, with with all the all the problems brought by the sanctions. I think, you know, when you're just about to get done with that, it's you know, it, it's about really fulfilling the promise, right, of, of having a, a a winning team in South Florida, and um, I think you can do that without Messi. And, and the other thing as well, you know, just watching Cristiano. Ronaldo this morning um, or afternoon, early afternoon. Um, I think you know that might make Messi look for something similar for his next contract. Um, I mean, he's obviously a world champion, and he considers to be himself to be along the same lines uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe even bigger than that. So why would he settle for less? So if MLS is is ready to to take that step, step, then he might come. But if not, I'm sure, you know, Saudi Arabia will be ready to do something similar for him as well.
0: Okay. Well, then, one more player we can talk about, though it's not Inter-Miami related, but there's another World Cup participant that is in talks with MLS. Steve, what do you know about that?
1: Yeah, Oliver Giroud, French international striker at AC Milan, has been speaking to MLS clubs, but told that Miami on in the running for him. So I mean, you know that he would imagine if they'd signed Giroud, 36, but you know know that he definitely scored goals in MLS. That could potentially replace the the goal output from from Higuain. and I'd imagine that Giroud Pizarro sort of pivot. Oh, it'd be, it'd be glorious. I mean, you know, <laughs> it'd be amazing. Yeah, what a what a deal! But. You know, having a target man like that in ex- experience, I think that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? If they've got him, but I'm told that one he's not on their radar. So, uh, but but interestingly, is is interested in the move in the move to the US?
0: Have you guys forgotten about Leonardo Campana? Has like everyone forgotten that he is a striker that's set to return to Miami by all accounts? Whether it's no, on a GP deal or not, that he like
2: fifteen games.
0: Sure, but. Do we really think they're going to bring in another striker to compete with Leonardo Campana for the starting striker role? If it was any other league in the world, sure, no problem. But you have a salary cap here. You have a budget here. For them to bring Campana back, they have to trigger the buy option in the loan deal they had with Wolves for him. So that's going to cost them some money. Could make him a DP depending on what numbers work out. You know, The fact that that has not been announced yet... Maybe they're still putting the finishing touches on that. But regardless, you guys think Inter-Miami would go DP striker on top of bringing Campana back.
1: Yes? Well, just, just remember how how good Higuain was at the end and how much they depended they on him. I mean, without him, the end of the season would have really sort of, you know, flip, 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 just gone, wouldn't it? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, just, he's left a massive hole. Yeah, Campana was great. But, you know, struggle-injury didn't towards the back end of the season. And that was when Iguain really came to the fore. And he was the main man, wasn't he? He dragged
0: him through. So, you need to replace. You, he needs to be replaced. So, you're saying that, yes, you see them potentially bringing in a DP striker in addition to Kampana?
2: Uh, I think so. For sure,
0: yeah. Jose?
2: Yeah, I think if there's a high-caliber player and he's a number nine. And, and you really have an opportunity of bringing him in. I think they'll do that. I, I think... You know, the, the, you need that quality in MLS, you know, that reality. And I think this is something that maybe, you know, the coaching staff learned in 2022 is that in MLS, you win by scoring, not by p- planning on how to defend a, a day in and day out. You really have to score and you just have to live with the fact that, yes, you're going to allow two or three goals per game. But if you score four, then that's OK. And that's MLS. You invest in attacking players. And that's that's the reality of the league right now.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's the formula the league has always done because that that's what they believe is a formula for exciting fans. Just having a lot of good attacking play that leads to goals, even though clearly the defending is not up to snuff. You can have your opinion on that, but uh, I have a hard time seeing them going for a DP striker in addition to Campana. I think they will bank on Campana, to be the guy. Obviously he's not going to. Or you can't expect him. To produce the type of. Moments of magic. Like Higuain did last year. Uh, on a consistent basis. Because he's not that type of player. He is a, he is a good finisher like he showed. Um, especially during that first half of last season. Before the injuries. And before his form dipped a little bit. But I I, I would bank on them. Planning for him to be the starting striker. And then having a. DP number ten, probably not Pizarro though. Pulling the strings behind him, and the number ten being the the player that really lifts the tide, that really raises everybody's level. That's just how I would think we yeah, would mean, go about it. Not necessarily that, bring yeah. in another striker, because if, if you bring another striker, Campana now has less playing time. And again, competition is not a bad thing, but this is MLS. You have a salary budget, and MLS, and Inter Miami has cap constraints. So, can you afford to do that? Can you afford to put that much money into one position when probably only one of them is going to start on a regular basis? I don't see that happening. I don't see I think Campana will be the nine. I think they're, they're looking for other attacking pieces to, to build around him. Though, yeah, I'll, get, I'll say this, and then Jose, I know, you, I know you've got something there. There, is, there are a lot of games this year. There is a lot of competition across all MLS and across Inter-Miami's agenda in 2023. And if you're an Inter-Miami fan, you should be thrilled to hear that because there's going to be games coming at a more frequent pace than ever before. Because not only is there a 34-game regular season, not only is there U.S. Open Cup, there's also now another competition that Inter-Miami will be in, Leagues Cup. And Inter-Miami will partake in that tournament in the summer. So there's going to be a lot of games and there's going to be a need for rotation and players getting minutes. Again, just because of the MLS salary cap and the structure, I don't necessarily think even with that that you're going to be able to afford to have uh, two DP strikers or two players like that on the roster. I just don't see it happening unless they start playing with two strikers on a consistent basis. But I mean, that that could be the argument or that could be some of the thought process. There's a lot of games. There's going to need to be a rotation at some point, but I think you're better suited deploying DPS in other spots and, and having Campana as, as your number nine if that's who you've chosen for this season. And beyond. Jose, finish your thoughts there, and I will we'll wrap up this segment.
2: After. Yeah, I just wanted to say that you know, there's you can also not rely on you know a, a lower level number nine when Campana is not available. I mean, if... Tanjan. Well, what have you seen from him that makes you, you know, think he's a solid nine or some somebody to replace?
0: I don't. Campano. I mean, I don't. But clearly, the yeah, team. The, clearly, the team when they signed him, they said he can play on the wing and play as a nine. Now, obviously, last year he got hurt and he didn't show a whole lot. But I, I imagine that he. That's that. I, I said that last year when they signed him. That long term, they probably saw him if, as a backup number nine.
2: All I'm saying is is that you know if there's an opportunity at getting a solid number 9 then you go for it you just go for it if not then you know if, if the plan is to get a 10 as said the p then that's good that's good too solid or it's, great it's great i think solid it, it works or great. solid number but, 9 or great
0: number 9
2: uh no if if it's a great great number 9 then you go for it
0: sure i agree with that but if it's a solid number 9 you still think that you would go for it, or they should go for it? I
2: don't. I don't know. Uh, you, you you're gonna have to give me names for me to get. Um, I don't know. What you, I don't, know, well, what I don't know what you think is solid.
0: solid. <laughs> solid. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying? I don't know what you think is solid. So, I, I think Campana's solid. Yeah, but if you let, let's just put it
2: this way: if you can get something better than Campana, and obviously that would be a DP player. How much then
0: better? You, you go for it. I don't. I don't. Like, I don't
2: necessarily. It, it agree with that. better. It went, it went. Remember last year when you thought he was not? Then he proved otherwise. Then, you know, there are players out there that might fall into that category. So, but
0: yeah, I mean, if you'd, you go you'd for you'd be a hurting yourself. Combat- you're, sure, you're shooting yourself in the foot, Jose. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Not you. I'm saying, Inter Miami if they do that. Because now you've got another player that is going to be playing ahead of Campana. And that's going to limit his development because he's not going to be getting naturally as many minutes as. Uh, if there's another option out there that could, uh, you know, unseat him from the starting spot, so not only do you hurt Campana's development potentially, you also hurt his stock. Which I imagine in Miami, in their eyes, they're like, okay, we want to sell Campana at some point down the road. He's still very young, relatively speaking. So two, three years of good production, you could sell him for a good fee. This is the, this is the beauty of preseason
2: because everybody's available. Nobody's going to get injured. And then you start thinking, I have a nine, so I don't have for another nine. And then, you know, the season starts and injuries start coming and they can come very early. And then you start thinking, okay, so now what? Well, you know, that's that's the game. So um, I'm just saying, you know, DPs, if you have the opportunity to get players uh, on a very high level, you just have to go for it. It it doesn't at least right now. Inter Miami with basically no DPS, you need to make sure you have top quality in in the DPS that you're going to sign. That's my take.
0: Oh, absolutely. If they can find a high level, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. But that, just above Campana or at his level, I don't I? Don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. But anyway, all right. Let's leave it there for now. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back do a very short Q&A we'll do one question but we have a couple other things to talk about regarding thermodynamics so we'll do that after this everybody so let's quickly put a bow on this pod the first of 2023 let's start by talking about another one of steve brenner's favorite topics the jersey there's a new jersey or images of the apparent new jersey that will be unveiled in the coming weeks images have surfaced online you can find them at miami total football's instagram page it's very similar to the la palma secondary kit that's been used over the last two years Predominantly black. It's got pink on it, although it's a bit of a brighter or hotter or bolder pink. Um, it has lines down the side uh, in the in the torso area, and it has some swirls that are in like uh, the same like the black, grayish black uh, color. That you know it doesn't really pop out at you when you're looking at the jersey from afar, but when you're up close, you can notice it a little more. It's just a detail. Do you guys like the jersey? Is it too safe? Did they play it too similar to what La Palma was? If this is the jersey, I will start with Jose because I know Steve's not a huge jersey guy.
2: Well, um, yeah, I don't think. I think it's just okay. I mean, it's okay. I'll feel better if I get it for free in the media (laughs) game, which I'm already (laughs) advocating for. (laughs) It's never too late. You've begun your
0: preseason preparation?
2: yeah yeah already Nah, not really but um maybe on monday i'll start so yeah i think it's just okay i'm i'm not crazy about it
0: i don't like the monochrome crest that's that's just my thing across any jersey i don't like a monochrome crest the crest that just has one solid color as opposed to the actual colors of the the crest not a huge fan of that and this jersey apparently has that I do like that it has the new Adidas logo without the Adidas name on it. it just has the the three lines, um, a bit bigger, a bit bolder. I do like that, but eh, you know that they, they look. Clearly, it looks like they're going for tradition in terms of their color scheme. So they want black and they want pink. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I just think it could have been executed a little bit better. Here, I think you you know what we have to see the whole look. We have to see if this is actual the jersey. I think it is just based on the images we've seen and the amount of them. If they wore this with pink shorts, I think all right, it looks be way better. No, what? No, it looks way better, and you've got a home run on your hands, and just because of the just the overall aesthetic. I still think the jersey itself could be better, but black and pink. We need to see that. We need to see that. That that would be I think chef's kiss. Steve, I quite
1: like it. I mean, I, I like the sort of black and the and the pink sort of, you know, cut. It's, um, yeah, I think like you say, if they can mix it up with the pink shorts, I think that that's pretty. That looks pretty cool.
0: Don't you think? I do. Jose clearly does not. Jose clearly does not. Okay, well, let's move on. We talked about Blaze Matuidi. We are at least we name dropped him earlier in the podcast. He officially announced his retirement. The end of an accomplished career. Another DP from Inter Miami's initial season. That finally, that chapter is closed. Even though last year he was an ambassador he wasn't on the roster, yada, 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 you know, he was still around. Now, that's no longer the case. How do you look back on Blaise Matweedy's time with Inter Miami? We'll start with Steve because compared to Higuain, iguain finished on a high, scoring goals, helping the team make it to the playoffs. He ended his career on uh, a relatively positive note whereas Matweedy didn't even play this final season so how do you look back on Matweedy's stint in South Florida
1: Blades, Rodolfo, it's like we're getting the band back together,
0: <laughs> isn't it? <You> know, like, <laughs> get,
1: get, get Diego Alonso, I know you shed a tear when Diego Alonso <laughs> went out of the World Cup. Let's get him all back. Paul McDonough, I'm sure he's served his band I'm now, actually so. wearing
0: baby blue shirts, so, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but Tweedy was a strange one, wasn't it? He had a few moments where he, he looked good legs of kind of he wasn't the same player was he, he wasn't the same player that, 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 that won the world cup in 2018 and then of course then we had all the sort of financial problems and all that sort of who hard and the weirdness of him sort of still being around but not being not being on the team and all of it strange um and of course you know it was his his transfer wasn't it that caused him all the problems as well so um wasn't the best end to his career when he had a great career though didn't he um yeah just sort of Sort of went out on a bit of a bit of a bum note, really. But he uh, did well a few games, but just it wasn't enough, was it? Really?
0: No, definitely not. I mean, definitely, I agree. Uh, very accomplished career, World Cup winner, a lot accomplished there. Played at the high level, at a high, high, high level, the highest level for for so long for club and country. And his career does end on a whimper. Uh, a bit sad, really, that it goes out like it does with him not even being wanted, him being surplus to requirements, and essentially being told, you're not playing for us anymore, and becoming an ambassador of sorts. However, Inter-Miami managed to make that work. But anyway, uh, Jose, quickly, your thoughts on Blazeman Tweedy's stint with Inter-Miami? Is it an eyesore for the Frenchman to finish his career in the way that he did? Or was it?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's unfortunate. I, I think it was you know, the decision to come to MLS, it was, it was not a good one. It was not good for him. It was not good for the team. Um, I think, you know, you know, physically the league was just too much for him towards the end of his career. Maybe if he was able to come, you know, maybe two or three years before the, 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 the time he did, then, you know, things might've been a little bit different for him, but, you know, it wasn't the right setup for him here in inter Miami as well with the weather and, and, You know, the way the team was playing at the moment was struggling to find um, an identity on the field. And um, yeah, it just didn't work out. Very unfortunate situation at the end. But, you know, I'm sure he's um, happy with the career he had. And, um, you know, there's nothing to feel... You make bad decisions every day. So, you know, it, it happened at the end of the career. And, you know, it is what it is. I think, you know, overall, he should be happy with what he was able to accomplish.
0: Especially if, like Steve and I have joked... He has this incredible boat (laughs) somewhere here. He's sailing off
1: into the sunset (laughs) right now as we speak.
0: (laughs) We've joked about that. If you've missed that joke uh, from previous pods, well, yeah, it's just an inside joke Steve and I have had um, with listeners from two seasons ago plus. So, uh, all right, let's do a quick Q&A. One question comes from Jeffrey Poole. I'm curious your thoughts on the kids. Which of the homegrown signings do you think will truly get a run with the team in 2023? Very good question, very good question, because Inter Miami wants to do better than they did in 2022 in terms of the standings, the final standings, so they'll be wanting to win, It's not they're not necessarily looking to prioritize development, although they'll say that publicly, so be curious to see how Phil Neville approaches that, but I'll go back to you Jose quickly, just a name, who do you think will get that run out?
2: Um, just overall in
0: the entire roster or are you talking no, about young, the draft young players homegrown players young so you player, t- you're talking about Asco- I, we're talking Ascona, we're talking uh Noah allen we're talking yeah
2: yeah i think no i was i was thinking Benjamin Kamashi. Al- no i think Noah allen Noah allen should be a player that you know he should fight for an opportunity um if i i think if if you know he if he worked on you know, uh, during the off season, players have a responsibility to do something extra, work on something in, in, in the development, especially if you're early in your career like Noah Allen is, and I think he could challenge a, a starting spot. So I think Noah Allen should be the guy to watch.
0: Steve, any name stick out to you? Not not,
1: not really. I mean, just, yeah, just off the back of what Jose said. I mean, someone like Noah Allen as well, you know, he had good experience Last season, as a kid coming through, so he's got that in the bank. I think it's important for guys of that age just to try and get some games under their belt.
0: I would agree with you guys. I think Noah Allen is the, the player most likely to get a run with the first team. Uh, someone that I would keep an eye on. Because Benjamin Kermashu, while well, I think the team internally is very, very high on him, and from everything I hear, um, obviously they rate him very, very much. He's still very, very young. He's 17 now he's with Argentina's under 20 national team and he's getting pretty good experience at a young age. But just picking up the little bits and pieces of what Chris Henderson said when they announced the signing of Benjamin Kermashi. He said, you know, he needs a lot of hard work. That's the next step for him and his development. It's obviously, he's a longer term project or at least that's my interpretation of, of what I heard when that announcement or when that signing was made. So out of the bunch, I think Noah Allen is the one that could be closest to, like Costa said, getting a starting spot. Does he get it? Be up to him and how the season plays out, how the other left backs do. Kieran Gibbs is still on the roster, uh, interestingly enough. So, I think Noah Allen could be the one that that gets a good run. It'll be up to him to deliver and show what he's got and earn more minutes. So, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see Edison going to getting a whole lot of playing time this year. There's more games, so maybe he'll have a little bit more opportunity. But I just. I just see a lot of options ahead of him. i also not really sure what his best position is at the MLS level. Is it a 10? Is he on the wing? It's it's interesting because he's now starting to get a little bit older. He He's 19 now. He needs to start finding some playing time a little bit more consistently. So we'll see what happens with Edison Ascona as well. But, all right, that'll do it for the Q&A session. And do you guys want to do final thoughts or should we just end the show there? I think we should end the show there so we can make good on our promise of trying to keep the show as close as possible. Unless you want to talk about Steve's reactions at the Irish pub in Hollywood during England vs. France.
1: It's an emotional game. It's an emotional game. What what can you say? You know, I went in I went in confident but we we're going to win the World Cup. You just got to believe. You've got to believe.
0: <laughs> I, don't, but, I, I but it, don't. I don't. I don't blame your patriotism. Happen. I don't blame your patriotism. You absolutely understand Mate, if that was it. Peru, you would have been doing exactly the same thing. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. The, uh, this is what we'll talk about here to wrap up the show. This will serve as our final thought, Jose. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I don't know if you think you agree with me or you don't. Is England, generally speaking, not necessarily this England of the last three, four, five years, but is England, generally speaking, overrated? Um, I would say yes.
2: Hold <laughs> on. Oh, <hell. laughs> I could one trophy ever be overrated. I, I, would, I would say, but I would say this. I would say this. Coming into Qatar. I'm smiling. I, here. They, they had a very good team. They had a very good team. And, and I think, you know, the expectations were right. I mean, they, they were supposed to, you know, fight for the title. But generally, yes. You know, England always goes into the tournaments thinking they can win it all. And sometimes they're just not even close. So I, w- I would say that. I put it that
1: Many way. Many times they've not been close, but definitely the last few years we've had we've had our best team for, for a while, really. And uh, they played well against France, just missed the penalty. That was
0: They were it was playing a tight game, they, it? they did not play poorly, but they, no, they, played they well. but they were never in front. They were never in front of so, that game. Yeah, so, but they still played well. Okay I'm, France, okay, we, we're we not going to dive into a whole X's and O's of that game, but that first half, France literally just let England have the ball and was looking to counter, and they took the lead. And then the onus was on England, and England picked it up in the second half, and tied the game, then France went ahead, then Eng- then England could have tied it with Harry Kane's penalty game. Could have tied it. That doesn't mean they would have won it, they could have tied it. No? So, I mean, you were you were hell-bent afterwards of saying, oh no, if he scores, well, it's a, I was like, they would have tied the game. They wouldn't have won the game, they would have tied the game. And anything could happen after that England never led in that game and the onus was on them to have the ball and look to attack so because they were trailing for much of the match so I do think this team is one them, probably the most talented team they've had in a good few years or recent memory but I I am of the firm belief Steve I'm sorry if you, I mean you're not debating as hard as you were that day because that day you had a few beers but your, your patriotism was shining through which hey again I don't I don't blame you for it but Generally speaking, they're a bit overrated. You know, it's always the belief mm-hmm. that they should be fighting for the the World Cup trophy. When
1: well, they should. They should. I mean, they should. based off
0: what? Based off what? History based has shown. Based showed... on the quality of the team they've got. No, no. So that, that, that's, no. Where, that's where the overratedness comes in. That's where the overrated uh, English. I don't know if it's a mentality, but the English press or whatever. But it's definitely The players are I'll definitely overrated. What it is.
2: I'll tell you what it is. They have the number one league in the world. And that's why you always think, okay, if we have the number one league in the world, then we should compete for the World Cup title every single time. Problem is, best players in the number one league in the world are not playing for England. True. And and, and that's, that's what it is. It, it's, it's hard to understand that, yes, you have the best league in the world. But no, you're not going to compete for every single title. Well, I've started producing better players. But when Peru and Honduras get to the World Cup <laughs> in, in
1: 2026, <laughs> we, we can talk again, guys. We can talk again. So let's nice. just have... Well, let's keep that
2: conversation going. Uh, but good luck. Nice. We'll see you there. Okay. Nice. This is my nice. nice.
0: No, Hey, listen. 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 Uh, you know, England's won one World Cup. You know, awesome that they've done that. They're one of nine, ten countries that have ever won a World Cup. So... um but you have to consistently prove yourself. You don't just oh, course, live on your past. You don't just live on you were good one point and you won a trophy at one point. You have to consistently prove yourself. And no, England, and, not, England and England saying that England has not won a trophy in a since then. So Since nineteen sixty six, yeah. Okay, so that, I I don't know how they could consistently, consistently, generally consistently considered favourites. That's all. That's all. That's my point. not. not, this They're not they haven't
1: been consistently considered favourites. They haven't
0: it's not true, uh, I, don't not true I don't know about that i don't know about that even tough. even, even you were arguing with me that day about how like no if you're english you have to expect the final because that's who we are okay anyway all right yeah 100 that's that's fair enough uh, no <laughs> I, to, to disagree i mean i think you're contradicting yourself but okay we'll leave it there we'll leave it there we'll let the listeners decide what they think about england and and their perception out there in the all world. the listeners so, will agree with me for sure yes yeah, just like pizarro and that That one debate we had way long ago. Okay, all right. Well, that does it for this week's show. Uh, We did more or less okay on our promise of one hour or so, so we'll leave it there. We'll try again next week once preseason is officially underway for Inter Miami once we've gotten to talk to or speak to some of the protagonists about what's coming in 2023. So, for Steve, el primo brother, and for Island Jose, a.k.a. My name is Franco Penizo, you have been listening to Miami Total Football Radio.